quitting a $200,000 per year job to start this, not knowing where it would be, was the hardest decision ever made and the best decision ever made. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smarter Destiny podcast. So this time we have my friend Nish Samantre on the show. He is the co-founder of Array.com with his lovely wife. Array is a 100% natural wellness company. And their tagline and promise is that they create supplements that work in under an hour. They are a mid-seven-figure business, fast-growing. They actually hit their first one million within six months of launch, which is pretty damn fast standing start, frankly. They have customers across the whole of North America and Middle East, and they've won numerous beauty awards across the categories, including a best bloat supplement in the market. That's right, I said a bloat, which you may not be... I, I think that's rarer in the supplement space, and I think that's an exciting one to touch upon. Nish is a bit of a legend and a bit of a generalist, but we're going to talk about his superpower of being able to find and marry up unique abilities to get complementary and exciting results across the business that result in growth. So I think without further ado, let's welcome him to the stage. Nish, how are you? I'm so happy to be here, Barton. So, so excited to talk to you. Likewise. Whereabouts in the world are you right now, Nish? I'm actually currently in LA. I'm originally from Canada, um, and I spent a bunch of my time in Toronto. I actually got to LA just uh, about a week ago, but I'm really excited to be here. The team's here, the business is here, and the sun is shining. It's a good day. The sun is shining, which, you know, is, is something you experience in Toronto maybe half the year. Yeah, so it's exactly. a little bit sunnier, right? I'm, I'm ragging on Toronto. I do like Toronto. I've got some close friends there. So, um, But LA is undoubtedly more palm tree blessed. We're, 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 Absolutely. You know, with, without a shadow of a doubt. It's a good place to be in the wellness industry. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So um, the way we like to do things on this show, Nish, is we like to go back. We go back to a point in your past that serves as a kicking off point for your entrepreneurial story. Have you got a time and place in mind? If so, could you take us back to that time and place and tell us all about it? Absolutely, Martin. So when I really think about how this whole thing started off, it was a little bit of a um, tough time, actually, um, in my life where essentially... I was, I was an engineer and I really thought I wanted to be an engineer in the oil and gas industry. The oil and gas industry was booming and I was, I was working at the, some really, really large um, kind of oil and gas companies and it was doing really, really well. But after some time, this is exactly when that whole industry went to, uh, went to crash. And this is where I was like, oh my God, what should I do? I was in my last year of university and this is where I decided to learn how to code. And so I said, okay, you know, instead of figuring out what to do in that specific industry. Let me go and try some different things. And I just started to learn how to code. I was a bunch of my CS friends. We went to uh, YouTube classes together and he kind of taught me what he had learned through school. This is where I said, okay, like I really like learning different things. I really like being in the technology industry. I really just enjoy building something different. And the best way for me to learn how to code was actually uh, build something of my own. And so me and a couple of my other friends, we started working on a little project of ours, which was just a collaboration tool for um, for developers. And that was my first ever project that came out of necessity and came out of completely just because I did not know what else to do. And that, that kind of led to my very first company, 
um, which by the way, was not at all a success. It was, it was more than anything, just like a trial period of entrepreneurship for me, but I enjoyed it so much that I was like, wow, this is what I really want to do. And then that's where I really figured out that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. That's, that's phenomenal. It's, it was like um, training wheels uh, for, for your entrepreneurship and actually getting in there, like um, seeing how the sausage is made, if you like, and, and actually, you know, producing something and then figuring out how to position it in the market so that people desired it like that. You know, that's that's a it's something that is very hard to teach with theory. Right. Like without without getting into it. So you so you, you created this this software. And it's a point of distinction there, like engineer, we're obviously talking about software engineering, right? You're, you're not, you're not producing gears and cogs and ships and planes. Exactly. And stuff, right? Exactly. Um, software engineer. So, so where did that take you next on your journey? Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. The whole thing here for me was that, okay, I must go out and get some sort of a job and you know, I want to become a software engineer. And so right after this for four months, I said, I, I was, I became good enough to became a, become a junior software engineer um, at a bank. And so the, the banks in Toronto, they're all really big on digital transformation um, about seven, seven, 10 years ago when everybody was trying to do something digitally. And so I just got in as a um, developer, as a junior developer at, as, as a, at, a, at the digital factory um, at one of the big banks in Canada. And that's where I said, okay, I'm gonna go figure out how to just build code for whatever financial applications. And that was kind of my start into the, into the technology industry. But that was a really, really fun experience just because, you know, I had just learned to code. I was really excited about it. We're working on new projects. I was really learning about just the technology industry in general. And that's kind of where the path took me. But while I was doing this, I was still working on my little side project. Um, and that side project is what became a thing where I started getting to accelerator programs. I started meeting with other entrepreneurs, started meeting with a bunch of mentors. And that process of taking that little kind of summer project to something that was uh, a lot more meaningful. Actually, we we ended up raising about sixty thousand dollars for just nothing. But you know, back in the day, going through the process and all those steps of what we were going through was really like, okay, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy the idea of creating something new, and the whole process of feeling through it was where I said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot again. Maybe obviously the first idea is not it, but I think that working with uh, people in the industry while I was actually working in the corporations was super super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's interesting because you sort of cut your teeth on on the entrepreneurship, but then then did the the the, the correct thing uh, and got the job, but kept the side hustle going. At what point did you um, decide? Like, did did those did the, those two journeys sort of ultimately one ended and and one flourished, if you like? Definitely. So you know what? I was actually in the job market, um, working at different companies for quite some time. I went from working at a bank to working at a um, QSR, quick, uh, a quick service restaurant um, place. And then after that, I went back to working at a really um, you know, fast growing um, fintech startup in India. And so I did this entire process for about five years. And when I was working there, each, each step of the way, I was just like learning different things and becoming a better version of myself. And it was at the last startup where I was really working on some very exciting things. Like I was working directly with um, the CEO of uh, Paytm um, in Canada and India. And we're actually yeah. building like really, really cool just technology in general. We're managing different teams, building a product from scratch. And this is where I was really able to flourish. I was like, okay, you know what? I actually have some experience now. I'm able to understand how to work in a very fast kind of pace environment. If I were to do something of my own, I, I'm very comfortable knowing what I'm gonna do. And so I think it's important to not underestimate 
um, what you can learn while working for somebody else as long as you're surrounded by the right people. And at that point, it was just a matter of finding the right idea. And so my wife came up to me once and she's like, look, Nish, like I'm suffering from all these different issues. I want to start a company. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something. And the story behind this is really that she fractured a rib from a chronic cough. And when she went to the doctor, she was like, prescribed coding. And when that happened, it was, it was like the end of the world for her. So she said, okay, let me go and find um, certain things that I really want to um, fix about myself. And she's, she's doing a bunch of research in the health and wellness space, and she's just trying to make her immunity better. And so, you know, at this point, her cabinet is just filled with so many vitamins, minerals, supplements, all kinds of things. And I have no idea what she's doing, by the way. And then one time, you know, we go on a little trip and I fall sick too. And I started using the supplements that she's carrying with us. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is really amazing. Like, you know, you've really figured something out here. And at this point we say, okay, well, why don't we go and build something in an industry that is needing of this, but just make something a little bit different. And so my wife comes from a blogger background, a beauty background. And so something that would happen is whenever I used to go to the bathroom, like, I myself would end up having a six-step skincare routine because I know exactly what bush stretches to use. I know exactly what serum to use, exactly what under eye creams to use. And, you know, this is quite rare for a male to know about, but I was like, wow, I, I really understand this and I'm really good at this. And I, I really like using these products because they make me feel good. And I know exactly what products I'm using for exactly what part of my face. Um, they're quite efficacious just because they're made by somebody who is reputable and uh, they actually have scientific background in this knowledge. And so we said, why don't we go look at the parallel and make something like this and take the parallels in the beauty industry and do it in the wellness industry. And this is where the idea really clicked because it was just like, wow, in the beauty industry, you can go find something that's really beautiful to so integrate into routines. And you always hear women and also men like myself talking about how they have these, you know, nighttime skincare routines. And then on top of that, okay, why don't we go and work with someone really efficacious so that whatever we create is actually going to work in under an hour unlike a lot of supplements where you don't really feel the effects of it. And then also on top of all of this, let's just, let's just make it really pretty and let's, let's do something so that we, we ourselves would really use it. And that's kind of the whole process started. And so our whole goal was to create targeted things that would work in under an hour, much like a parallel from the beauty industry where you know what you're taking, it's going to work for you and you can see the results of it quickly. Amazing. And so around about that time, um, Array, was born right and and what what uh what time are we talking and could you tell us about that first six months right that 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 first six months where you hit that one million mark you know an impressive figure a very fast um to hit that like can you tell us about that sort of launch phase and what happened yeah absolutely so what was interesting is that the formulation process itself actually took us over a year so we didn't actually launch the brand six months after we had all the formulations ready and so in the first six months, I was just like, okay, what are, what are we trying to make here? How do we iterate on the formula, find the right natural doctor to work with? And so all the entire process of sourcing the ingredients, making sure that they match what we want them to be in terms of being, making them really organic, making them really efficacious, uh, looking at the manufacturing process, getting the right co-packer, all of that kind of stuff is things that took us about a year to do, primarily because of the complexity of the formulation itself. And then after that, we said, okay, we know exactly what we have here, but we really wanted to start on kickoff with a strong brand. And so one of the hard things for us was to have our limited budget. So we only had about, about $50,000, $60,000 um, in budget. And this is just money that, you know, I was pouring in from my, from my job at the time to be able to fund inventory, fund marketing, all this kind of stuff, just for startup as a business. And at that point in time, we said, okay, what are we gonna use these resources on? 
we just had to use the resources on R&D for the product. And the second thing was just really good branding and packaging so that we could make sure that what we're doing resonated with people that we wanted to use them. And so that was almost about 70% of our, uh, of our budget gone. And it was very purposely done because we wanted to do this really, really well. But at the same time, I think one of the biggest things for me that I keep in mind is that I want to take the biggest risk uh, without being kicked out of the game. So I did not want to use up all of my budget in case something went wrong. We had to do another iteration. Uh, we kept enough for a round two in case things went really wrong. But we did the round one. And the moment we launched it, it was just really, it really resonated. The brand voice, the packaging, the formulations, everything, everything about it that we wanted to work, worked. And so I think that wouldn't have been done without the one year of research behind that. But when we got it out to the right people, when we went and and tried it out amongst the community that we had built with the friends and they started telling the other friends about it. That's how it really started growing. Obviously we were able to, you know, add on to that with some spend and marketing, but that would, that didn't happen honestly until halfway through the million point. That's when we really started spending on marketing, but that's kind of how the entire process started. So in addition to the families and friends, word of mouth, how else did you get the, the word out? Um, I mean, if you weren't doing marketing with your budget, like was it was it influencers, was it PR, like or, or like, like how were you getting the word out initially? Yeah. So apart from just working with um, friends and people telling about them uh, to the other friends, that was actually just the very very beginning. What was really helpful is that we had an unfair advantage of Sif being a, a blogger slash writer slash influencer. That's so helpful just because okay, we know exactly how you want to work with influencers, and we also know a lot of people in the industry, and so. We were really aggressive about gifting our product out to a lot of people and especially people that we know would love a product like this. And so we were so on the pulse in the wellness market, in the industry, and also the influence that we wanted to try our product. We did this and we did only this, by the way. We did not focus on anything except for finding the right people, getting this in their hands, and building out the relations with them. And that's probably what took us really, really close to the first million. And we do not need any Facebook ads. We don't need any fancy marketing. It was just about getting this in the right people's hands who love this kind of product. It's a brand new thing that nobody has ever used and getting it in the right influencer's hands. That's that's really all it took. That's phenomenal. I, I love those kind of... Um... I love the stories where it wasn't just like uh, we just pay we just spent enough to get in front of people is genuinely authentic it's like hey try this out if you like it talk about it if you don't like it don't talk about it and and you know getting that that way more it's it's organic and authentic I don't mean organic like like the marketing term but it's just it's it's authentic recommendations from people that just have you know a slightly bigger um audience right than than the average person and um that's that's really really cool we talked in the uh, like off air beforehand about uh, your role and um a big part of your role is growth but you you separated growth from from marketing which which sits under um one of your wife's responsibilities could you tell me um what the difference is here um at array between growth and marketing what the distinctions are yeah definitely so when we think of marketing we think of working on very outbound big initiatives whether it's with influencers or with pr or with events um and that in itself is what like, I'm calling marketing as, as, as our bucket. And the reason why we split it up is just because that requires actually very different um, skill set than um, what I call growth. And so when I'm talking about growth, I'm talking about digital growth. I'm talking about growth through um, levers of 
um, using mini sites, using Facebook, using um, your, your classic just like ads. Um, and so I think that the type of people that run those types of businesses on both the marketing and the growth side um, have actually really unique skill sets. And so when I look at people who are running the marketing team, they're the ones who are, they really have their pulse on, okay, who are, whose people are relevant right now? Um, what are people really interested in? Um, what kind of events do we want to do? What kind of um, brand launches and, and pushes do we want to do? And so I think of this as things that really elevate the brand. And if you want to think of what like SIF's goal is, it's like, I want, like my, my job is to make sure that people think Array is really cool. My job is to make sure that when people think of a bloat supplement or a calm supplement or whatever that might be, they think of Array and just associate Array with whatever that they're working on. And so that is like marketing. And so whatever it takes to do that, let's go and do that. Growth, on the other hand, is like, I can pull very specific levers to drive revenue um, and that falls as a completely different category. So that is a much more analytical role. You can actually get really technical and really deep into exactly what you want to do and pulling your growth levers. And that's what I'm doing. So for example, really becoming a great ad, ad buyer, becoming a really good um, creative person, specifically when it comes to digital ads, um, you know, managing like the, peop the people that I am working with on my team, these are people who are intensely analyzing data to see how we can make certain things better, um, whether that's to do with, um, okay, what kind of hooks are resonating with people? So let's go and write the hooks and write the copy and write the um, ads to be able to you know, make that work better. Let's go and look at what the latest in, uh, trends are with uh, Facebook and, and Instagram and TikTok and experiment on, on those levers. Let's go and figure out um, how we can grow our email marketing. Let's go figure out how we can grow our SMS marketing. Like that to me is growth levers directly related to revenue and you can grow them in separately. And the other job is like, let me just be very creative and very free thinking to be able to make people associate myself with the brand whenever I think of a certain thing. So that's how we separate both, both of them. I love that. And actually, um, it's very similar to sort of the concepts I talk about. So um, talk about obviously audiences, um, the audience of the show knows about the 1% secret, my book, but um, we literally talk about that um, in, in the book, right? Like, so, so you've got the, 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 the flow, right? So a uh, very simple flow, user, user clicks on the ad, they land on your landing page, they add something to cart, they buy, they um, hopefully rebuy, you know, you've got average order value in there and stuff. Mapping that out, you know, if the click-through rate on my ad is this, a thousand people will yield me this many clicks. If the, the conversion rate on the site is this and my average order value is this, and mapping it all out to this is my return. Now, if I improve these indiv individual sec sections and spend a week obsessively trying to improve my conversion rate, obsessively trying to improve my click-through rate or so on, you can ahead of time predict what the outcome will be if you can get it to a certain level and then what that is the effect is on the bigger picture and um even on the landing page of of, of this book right even on, on the front page i talk about like um that scenario whereby improving um i think it's uh, just two or three separate stages of of this this five stage journey can increase your revenue by 400 percent right like just by improving it by one percent and three stages and um so I, th I love that and i love that concept with growth and just sort of analyzing the data and going wow that's good can we iterate on that that's great plug that in here and oh what if we we do that and i think that's so um so important with with any e-commerce business because because otherwise it can be a sort of oh should we try this this week should we try this this week and it's not really um 
based on based on the numbers like it might be that your ads are performing amazingly and your problem is actually the conversion rate of your checkout or your average order value and you're going right how can we make our click-through rate better on our ads and actually that's not where the problem is and you could double your revenue by improving your conversion rate and it could be an easier way to do it so i love that with um with the growth there that you've um, that you're doing so we also you also mentioned that um, there's a great story behind the name array. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually uh, to do with two things. One of them was when you're thinking of the name, we said we want uh, both Maya and Sif, the wife's name, um, to be incorporated. The story to be incorporated in the name. And so one of the things that we said was that for you know Sif's quite a happy, bubbly person, and so we said okay, for her, array is like a ray of sunshine because that's what <laughs> her personality is like. The other one was just that we wanted to be able to create an array of different products to be able to solve a variety of different problems. And so that was something that was really, really important to us. And that was the vision of the company. We, we want to be a company that be, that's able to solve whatever, whenever you think of any sort of issues in the wellness world, and we want to be there to be able to solve your problems. And the way we want to incorporate that was actually is a bit of my background with a technology background with code. And so, you know, in, in software development, um, an array is a, like a, a data set. And so you can um, kind of store multiple things in an array. And so one of the things you want to do is we want to use a syntax um, of array, so those square brackets and the apostrophes to be able to use as, as a design uh, mechanism. Mm -hmm. to, so if all of our branding is around the, the syntax that you use in code. And then also an array is an array in code, which you can store multiple things in and you can host a, a variety of different things um, in an array and that all that entire picture is kind of what you wanted to put in the name and that's where the name array came from and then we just changed the y to an e to make it cool and that's the name <laughs> i i love that and um yeah definitely um so i i have a, a software development company and very very sort of you know i know enough to be dangerous shall we say about yeah. about code yeah. and yeah. Like, when you're saying when you went you said array and software i was like, ah, i get it and then on your packaging you like you said you have the big square brackets and the and the um the, the, the quotation marks yeah, around the quotation the way. Mark, that, that, yeah. that's great it's like you're defining yeah your product right there it's you know, yeah yeah um i love that um, so where can users listening right now learn more about uh, yourself and uh, Ray, get hold of your products, give you money, reach out to you? How can, how can they do this? Uh, we are, uh, so we're on www.array.com, A-R-R-A-E. That's our website. Uh, we're also on TikTok. We're also on Instagram at array.co. And uh, you can find me at Plenty of Niche on Instagram, Twitter, all these different places, just at Plenty of Niche. Nice. And you actually before. So normally we would seg segue into that, but you just said you're on. We can find you on TikTok. Now you're a supplement company. What? Um, like, I mean, I'm I'm oversimplifying, but essentially you're a supplement company, which is can be a little bit difficult to create content around. What content do you find resonates with your audience on TikTok the best? Oh my God, this is a really tough question because I've been trying to figure it myself. But honestly, <laughs> um, I feel like TikTok is such a great platform because you can be so authentic with whatever you want to do, right? And I think that when it comes to supplements, it actually doesn't matter what you're, what kind of niche you're in. You can really create content around what it is that you're trying to, to, to vocalize. So for us, we try to do a lot of wellness content where we're just talking about, okay, um, reasons for being bloated. Um, why does it suck to be bloated? Why does it suck to be anxious? What can you do with anxious? So we try to provide value add content, or we try to provide informational content, or we try to provide funny content. Um, so that's kind of the levers that we've been trying to push through on TikTok. And what's been working really well for us is to 
find people who are really good on camera and really good at talking about these different things. And then they resonate with the product, they resonate with the brand, they resonate with you know, our overall kind of vision. And they're the ones who are, have full freedom to be able to talk about it in whatever way they can. That's been working really, really well for us. So I, I would recommend that for anybody trying to get on TikTok. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, but it's also really important to have a face of the, of, of the brand. So having, if you can, if you can find someone who's really good at doing this and, you know, is willing to stick it out with you for a longer period of time, then that actually resonates more and more. So if you look at some of your really big brands, for example, oh my God, um, you know, you know, State Farm, they always have these ads with Jake in it. I think, uh, I think they always have like, or they have, uh, uh, they, they, there's certain big brands that they always have a very specific person you can, can associate to. So I find that that really works. So even on a smaller scale, you can do that. So just like one person, I'm talking about whatever category you're in and either whether it's funny content or informational content that works really well. Nice. I like that. And, and yeah, TikTok is definitely the, the, the one to crack. So that's, that's really interesting how you've, um, you, you've broken that down there for us. And, um, yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, I broke my segue, but we'll go back to the segue at this part in the show. We like to mix it up. We go into the rapid fire question round. Nish, I ask the questions quickly. You can choose the speed in which you respond. Are you up for that? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, two thumbs up, up for that. There they are. All right, let's jump into this. Question one, if you ever had to start again, how would you make your money? In in the business world? Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I mean, I mean if if there's an alternative to business to make money, then tell me tell me about that as well. Oh, true. Um honestly, if I were to start all over again, I would really go into building uh things as a freelancer for for e-commerce companies. I think that being really good at copywriting and being really good at ad creation or being really good at a very, very specific thing and survive providing those services just uniquely to whoever else is building companies. That's a great way for individuals to do it. Um, if I was to work on a different company altogether, that would probably be something in the realm of um, technology, to be honest with you again. But I really like the e-commerce world right now. It's pretty good. Nice. What's the most common or biggest mistake leaders make? I think that they don't have the ability sometimes to be able to give enough people the ability to do what they want to do. I think that one of the things that uh, I've seen happen a lot is, is you hire really, really great people and then you tell them what to do. The reason you hire great people is so that they can do the best that they can do. And I, I really like having people who have the, who have, you know, are really good at certain things and bad at other things and the ability to let them just do what they're good at and without telling them what to do has, is, is, is the way to go. Nice. Who is a great leader, whether alive or dead and why? Ooh, I really like Reid Hoffman, um, founder of LinkedIn. I just think that the way he mixes in um, philosophy as well as um, leadership um, in business is really unique. I think that having a perspective of, okay, how do we grow things very, very quickly while thinking of, when is detrimental versus when is actually very helpful is, is great. I also think that people make a lot of generic statements about, oh, um, you raise too much money just to burn clash, you're never gonna become profitable as opposed to, oh, you must be profitable. I think there's actually a very distinct way of going about that. And he's been able to break it down in a very um, um, kind of objective way, which I really respect about him. And where do you get your read fix from? Where do you follow him? Um, I actually love his uh, Master of Scale podcast. 
I also love the uh, Gray Matter podcast he's part of. And my latest uh, obsession is the uh, Blitzscaling book that he's written uh, with Chris Yeh. I love all those three platforms. They're very, very good. Nice. How do you evaluate a good business deal? You know what? It actually does not take long to evaluate it. I think I look at three different things. Number one, just the financials. That straight up tells you what it is. Number two is it's really important about customer um, perception and repeat rates. Is this business going to be one that is going to last for a very long time? And is it one that people are really obsessed with and they use for, 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 a very, for again and again and again? So financials and that, I think that that gives you a very good idea of what a business is like. Beautiful. What is one of your proudest moments? Oh, man. I think that quitting a $200,000 per year job to start this, uh, not knowing where it would be, was the hardest decision ever made and the best decision ever made. It was, uh, it was, it was not, it, I had no idea whether this was going to work or not, but like just to be able to make a decision on do that was like, okay, this is, this is the right thing in retrospect to do. Nice. I like that. And that, that must have been terrifying, but, but, but right. So very conflicted in the early days and then looking back and going, yeah, nailed that. Yeah. hundred percent. Bold move. What's one interesting fact about you that not many people would know? I really love riding motorcycles. It's my way of uh, meditating. It's my way of getting away from uh, what I like to do. And um, I've been just obsessed with riding motorcycles and washing them and fixing them. It is my obsession. It's something that very few people might actually like, but yeah, it's what I do. <laughs> nice. And I wouldn't have guessed that um, as well. I mean, <laughs> is there a particular brand of motorcycle that, that you prefer? Yeah, so I, I currently ride a Ducati, but it's a cafe racer. So I love my old school looking cafe racer kind of motorcycles. I'm not a big fan of the um, the sports, like hyper, hyper kind of sports bikes, but uh, your old school kind of really rustic naked bikes. I love those. Beautiful. What daily routines do you have, whether morning or evening, that have helped make you more successful? I think having a strong morning routine is the most important thing. Um, two things I've learned. Number one is really figuring out what type of sleep schedule is good for you um, and waking up at the right time starts from sleeping at the right time. And something, something that really was super helpful is actually every single person has different chronotypes. You want to figure out what type of sleep chronotype you have, which really allows you to optimize your sleep and also optimize your wake up time. And so for certain people that could actually be two hours before sunset, for other people it could be two hours after sunset and for other people, um, it could be like six hours after sunset. It really depends on the kind of person you are. And so I figured that out for myself. In fact, I actually recommend that everybody go take the sleep quiz. And when you take the sleep quiz, it'll tell you whether you're a dolphin or a wolf or a bear, whatever that might be. It's just fun different names to figure out the things about yourself. And that's really helped me optimize when I should go to bed and when I should wake up. Second thing is as soon as I wake up, I really like to get some movement in. So getting my circadian rhythm right by exposing myself to some sunlight, and getting some movement in in the morning really gets you going and not looking at your phone. It's just perfectly amazing to get your day going in a very strong way. That morning routine sets me up for the day and I swear by it. So, yeah. Beautiful. And do you have any kind of uh, nighttime routine to, to uh, close it off? Yeah, I think that not looking at your phone and not looking at your laptop about an hour before bed, just to reduce that blue light interference with your eyes is super important. Um, and... Uh, getting into bed 30 minutes before you actually want to go to sleep is really important. And on top of that, I feel that reading something 
that is not to do with the daily life can also really help ease the mind. Something that people, I, I think like us really do is we, we won't, we're so excited about you know, building the business or whatever you're doing that you're always reading business books. You're always like reading or thinking of ways to improve the business, like very purposefully reading a fictional book or just something completely different is so helpful to get your mind off of things, put you to sleep and then get, get a nice restful sleep. And also, sorry, um, working out a couple of hours before you go to bed is I, I find very, very helpful so that you're actually tired when you go to bed. Um, again, I think working out is really different for every person. You should figure out when you should work out. Um, but for me, like according to the sleep chronotype, I should be working out about four to six hours before I go to bed. So I do that. I'm actually exhausted at night. I can't wait to get into bed. And then, you know, 30 minutes of light reading into something completely different. I'm just like passed, passed, like passed out immediately. So, yeah. Beautiful. What book or books changed your mindset or life? I think there's about three of them. The first one was Good to Great really understanding the fundamentals of good businesses and great businesses and just focusing on a few things versus um, more things and and uh, drawing the parallels about what makes really good and lasting businesses i think that that was a great um uh, book for me to start off on thinking about growing what i'm trying to grow the second one was to do with uh um i i'm going to list up a couple of business books obviously blitzscaling again um he talks a lot about okay how do you blitz scale a business and when is the right time to blitz scale a business and when do you pour a bunch of money into growing the business? I think that's a really great one. Um, and then the last part is, uh, I really enjoyed the book on um, from Peter Thiel about zero to one. Uh, I think that that was such a great book when it came specifically to starting things from scratch and then, um, and then growing them. I think that's really great. Um, the books I would recommend that are not really business but more so for uh, personal use. I really enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think it's such a good um, kind of hacky way to figure out, okay, how am I going to build my habits properly? And uh, Superhuman. I also really enjoyed that book as well. So that's, uh, those are my favorites. Yeah. Was that Dave Asprey's Superhuman? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, some, some fantastic uh, recommendations. In terms of those business books as well, we haven't... Um... Uh, certainly haven't heard any of uh, any of those recently and I think Blitzscaling is the first for the show as well I think that's well worth checking out um, yeah like um, LinkedIn's a significant social platform <laughs> <laughs> um, no the, the Blitzscaling book is actually what, probably one of my favorite books I've been rereading again and again and it's actually also really um, helpful for e-commerce companies just because it really allows you to think of when am I going to pour money into what and what type of businesses make sense to Blitzscale and why what the what the what the point of you know blitzscaling is like it's all it talks about okay like being relative to your competitors it talks about being relatively um scalable it talks about escaping the competition all these different things and i think that it just really puts in the mindset okay what kind of business am I building is this right for me and if not then what should i do he tackles both of those different sides it's really helpful for any type of business you're in nice thanks for that what's the most exciting question you spend your time thinking about Ooh, honestly, I'm always thinking of what don't I know? What is it that I don't know that could really get me or could really massively improve um, something for me? And this is obviously really hard to think of by yourself. But the way I do this is I'm really always meeting people who are either a couple of steps ahead of me or even behind me just because they're, they're thinking of things in a different way. And so I'm just like, okay, like, you know, what are you thinking of? What, what are the biggest problems you're working on? Or like, how are you thinking of your overall structure? And so, um, you know, recently I, I met this guy who 
was talking about how he doesn't have Slack on his phone. And to me, that seems like such a wildly crazy proposition, but it's just like, okay, like what don't I know that could be stopping me or hindering my ability to do what I want to do? I like the question a lot. Beautiful. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh man, I really think it's important to explore things outside of uh, your your core interests um, and just like build um, some level of basic knowledge and things that um, are outside of your core interests. I spent way too much time on just engineering or just uh, you know computer science or just like my hobby specifically. I wish I had just like read about random, random different topics because I find that they just make you a much uh, better rounded person. And so, um, you know, learning about things that I, just to pick up a book or even talk to people that are completely different than I am, I think it just makes you a better rounded person. Being well-rounded has never um, served me poorly in life. I'm gonna, uh, you may have heard of it anyway, but I'm gonna tease it anyway. Um, Jeff Hoffman speaks of a thing called info sponging, which was, um, he attributed his first billion dollar business um, price line to info sponging. So I'm just going to dangle that and tease that. Some of the regular listeners, I've talked about it, I think once or twice on the show before, um, but I'm just going to tease that for you, Nish, and uh, you'll see why being a generalist actually um, serves quite well. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to take a look at that for sure. <laughs> um, what unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out? Oh, man, this is an interesting one. Um, seaweed is really good for you. I have all kinds of seaweed. I have a lot of spirulina. It has a bunch of micronutrients. It's something that uh, certain micronutrients you can only get from that source. And so I think that's a, a really good one. You should really check that one out. Nice. And then final question. What makes you happiest? Honestly, my level of happiness comes very much directly from just doing things that I, that I love to do. I don't associate myself too closely to my business and my revenue. I think of those things as like a third party a lot of the different times. I think that spending time with the people that I really like and working with the people that I really like and living my life to be as healthy and as happy and as energetic as possible, like those are things I really care about. I love my morning routine. I love to be in a place where the sun is shining and like I can be with people that I want to be with. And I also really enjoy working with the people that I'm working with and whatever happens is great. And if it doesn't work out, that's also fine because I'm just so happy about the process. And that makes me, that makes me give me a lot of joy in life. I, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic answer. And yeah, when you, when you get, can get joy out of the journey rather than the destination, that's, that's where it's at, right? Like you spend a lot more time on the journey than, um, the, the, you know, when you've arrived, you've hit that, whatever that thing that you think was going to make you happy. So I, I think that's um, tremendously wise, well beyond your years, unless you are in fact 80 and your skincare routine is that great. <laughs> but Nish, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Before we wrap up, have you got any asks or requests of the audience listening? Um, oh, that's a really interesting one. Honestly, I think I ask for everybody to make sure they energize themselves as much as they can. I think finding energy and finding something that will excite you throughout your day is the most important thing. So do something to energize yourself, go out, take a walk, do whatever you want to do. It's the best feeling in the world. And I hope everybody gets to do that. 
fantastic. And of course, check out array.com, R-A-R-R-A-E, five-letter.com domain. is That's impressive as well, by the way. Um, <laughs> check it out, array.com. Check out Nish, plenty of Nish across the socials. And um, yeah, check out the stuff and, and, and buy it if you're enticed to do so. But uh, until then, Nish, 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 thank you so much for taking the time today to share your your wisdom and your experience and your stories. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really, really pleasurable. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to share with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.